The Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Plisse. Good morning, my brewing brothers and sisters. Good morning. It's been a long time, Jay-Z. Uh, yeah, it seems like it's been a month. It has almost been a month. It has been a month. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, well, with the uh, 4th of July weekend in there, kind of interrupted uh, uh, our schedule, I think. Well, we're back. We're back. <laughs> Better than ever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we didn't set anything on fire over 4th of July like uh, some brewcasters did. <laughs> What, what did you do for the fourth? Uh, hung around uh, home and uh, drank some Mooster Rule and and hung out with uh, the neighbors and drank lit, some Mooster Rule. Lit fireworks off, yeah. Mooster Rule, which is uh, an American brown ale. Really? Right? Yeah. And uh, you know, we I, we took the family up for some boat camping in Tahoe and had a great time. And part of our thing about boat camping is uh, we instead of like making food around the fire pit there we uh, just jump in the boat and drive to one of these nice restaurants <laughs> you lazy bastard yeah it's it's uh my version of boat uh, camping hey kids we're going camping now we're camping come on down to the restaurant bring your tip money yeah <laughs> and then uh uh so i'm there and i'm thinking well you know i gotta do this show on american brown ales i better be drinking as many american brown ales as i can get my hands on uh, not that i haven't had quite a few already right but uh you know, I just wanted to refresh my memory, and it, you know, sure, and I could say, "Well, kids, this is work, uh, really." Yeah, we're doing research here. Yeah, we're doing some research. So I am ordering, uh, you know, a uh, uh, downtown brown and uh, Las Coast downtown brown, and uh, which is another fair, fine American uh, brown ale, and uh, they bring out this, you know, kind of slightly amber beer, and I smell it, and uh, it's wrong beer. It's uh, really hoppy, and I'm thinking, uh, this isn't uh, Downtown Brown. Take a drink, and it's bitter. It's more like a IPA, you know, maybe like a amber ale or something. And uh, the waitress goes, yeah, yeah, I, I thought it looked a little light. And it's like, well, yeah, Downtown Brown should be like brown. brown. <laughs> not amber, but brown. <laughs> yeah. So that that happens to me a lot, believe it or not. I had I, another time, um, and it, maybe it's just the brown ale curse. I was at uh, like the state fairgrounds, and uh, they and uh, and they were uh, uh, serving different kinds of beers, and uh, the the best choice they had was a Pete's uh, Wicked Brown Ale mm. and uh, Budweiser Miller Coors. I'm like, okay, give me a you know a Pete's uh, Wicked Brown, and uh, lady pours it, and it's like yellow and i said well that's that's not a, a, not a brown a brown yeah she goes yes it is i'm like does, uh, it, look, <laughs> does it look well, brown lady i said uh it's supposed to be brown yeah she goes well no that's that's the right one i said well i, I know this beer should be brown because that's why they call it brown ale yeah and uh she goes well it came out of this faucet here I said, well, somebody hooked up the lines wrong or something. Oh, she probably hated and then you, she, too. Oh, she started, like, cursing me out. Oh, wow. And to the person she was working with, told it was right in front of me, tell them what an idiot I was. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, well, I'm not paying for this because yeah. it's not what I wanted. I don't want, like, a Bud Miller course. I want a brown ale. 
Ay, ay, How ay, many ay. waitresses have you offended? Like, going to a bar and be like, you know, this beer is flat. Or, it's not the style. Well, I, know I don't do that, but, you know, I'd just bring me what I ordered would, would be a great start, you know? Not some pale. Yeah. Well, the, the, the one that tends to offend them a lot is like, what, what beer do you have? <sighs> we got Bud, Miller, Cars, <laughs> we got it all. What do you want? Uh... What are all those handles over there? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Can I get a beer, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's the curse of uh, wanting good craft brew. You have a lot of good family time with, with beer and kids. Beer and kids? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, You're set, man. Beer, beer helps you get kids in the first place. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, What's it? Helping ugly people have sex since like 1700. Are you implying that I'm ugly? Uh, Jesus I Christ. would never say such a thing. I've just been offended, I think. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, we're talking about American Brown Ale today. Uh, but let's let's get into some uh, listener feedback, email, oh, yada yada that came in. Uh, Any more on your cold, sex life? Called through the uh, <laughs> many hundreds of emails that we get. Wow. And I've eliminated the sex life ones, the fantasy ones, and gone more with the brewing related questions. Very professional. Very. Yes. Yes. All right, uh, uh, Fred uh, had mentioned a few times to me that he was disappointed in the way we were describing the recipes hmm. as far as uh, IBU calculations. Because he says, hey, if you just say it's 35 IBUs, I don't know how you're calculating, what formula you're using, and it's very difficult uh, to make sure that he's going to end up with the same same thing that we're talking about. And I can see that. And he, he wanted us to go to um, homebrew bittering units, which is essentially number of ounces times the alpha acid of the hop and at however many minutes. And that makes it easier for him to cure it. The, the thing I was relying on is that we post all these recipes from the show. Mm-hmm. They're posted on a, a website there, and you can see exactly what formula we're using and uh, the exact uh, number of ounces and alpha acid units. And the other thing you need to know is whether you're talking about whole hops or pellet hops, you know, because you can use HBUs, uh, homebrew bittering units, but you need to know what, you know, you get less utilization out of whole hops. So there's a lot of little factors in there. So you have to kind of uh, fudge it a little bit and say, well, here's the ballpark that you're shooting for right and here's a flavor profile you're shooting for you have to brew it yourself and say oh okay when uh, uh Jamil and John say you know uh 35 IBUs in my system I should be more around 30 or I should be more around 40 you know because I'm coming in too not bitter enough or too bitter and uh you would you would adjust so based they did, on that so you'd have to do it by tasting to really dive yeah, well, in. you have to brew your right. your, your batch, right. and then uh, as long as we keep giving consistent recipe advice, okay. you would kind of dial in and say, well, you know, uh, their efficiency, their you know, uh, utilization of hops, mm. I need to adjust based on their recipes. So y- any recipe you get, you're going to have to adjust a little bit for the way that sure. each brewer right. does things, the way different equipment works and uh, different techniques and things like that. Mm. So... Uh, Appreciate that, uh, you know, uh, feedback. I think it's, uh, good feedback. I think, uh, one of the things to do is make sure you check the recipes and that way you don't have to listen and pause the show and try and, you know, jot down all the notes. You can just get the recipe off the web and, uh, that's a, that's a big help, I think. Hmm. Alright, and, uh, Joe writes, uh, I plan on making, uh, just a base robust porter based off your CHP, the chocolate hazelnut porter. But I'm confused by the recipe that is more beers version of your CHP. 
they have one pound of Munich as a steeping grain, among others. As you said on your robust porter show on TBN, Munich needs to be at least partially mashed or else it won't convert. And uh, did more more beer mess up? That's a that's true. Uh, that Munich needs to be uh, mashed to, to convert. You can't just steep Munich; it won't. Uh, you, you're just dredging starches into your into your beer. Will you get flavor though? Uh, I don't know what kind of flavor you get, uh, but you, you, you end up getting a bunch of starch. Okay. Right? I don't know, like throwing in flour. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, thing is, I thought that uh, the more beer recipes uh, did say, you know, put it in a quart and a half of water, yes. hold it at 100 and between 148 and 158 for 30 minutes. No. No? Well, um, if you if you do come across recipes with uh, Munich uh, whole Munich grains in it, uh, they need to be crushed, and then you add you need about uh, one and a half quarts of water per pound of Munich grain, right? Uh, you put that in a container anywhere between 148 to 158 uh, degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, let that sit in there uh, for about a half an hour or so. And the grains at that point, the starches in them, they have enzymes in them. It might take a little longer than 30 minutes with just Munich. Um, they'll convert over to sugars and then just treat it like your steeping grains. Just rinse them out and uh, just like steeping grains and you will get that uh, sugary goodness of the Munich uh, malt in there. But uh, Joe's correct that it's not going to convert on, on its own. You can't just steep Munich grain. It has to be, it has to be mashed. In their so. recipes, they they put it in cold, and they do like a thirty to forty five minute, you know, s- steeping. Oh, uh-huh. don't you get some conversion maybe in the last fifteen minutes? Sure. What what temperature are they raising it? They to one seventy, they raise it. But I mean, yeah. you're, you're probably going to have a ten degree hole for at least five minutes. You might convert some, maybe. Yeah. The other thing about Munich and and Vienna and all those, they don't convert very fast. Oh. Uh, um, if like you add, two-row. if you throw in a little two row, though, it'll convert pretty quickly. Okay. Um. But yeah, you you could you could do that exactly. You'll get some conversion on that. So absolutely. Just do a slower steep, you think? Yeah, you might uh just kind of hold it in that range of uh, you know, uh, 1 148 to 158 for 30 minutes and it'll it'll convert hmm. and it won't be a problem. I'll ask JP on that. Maybe we'll we'll add that to the recipe. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, um it, and it's a very common thing uh, in the past. I would, I would definitely, you know, it's it's probably not a huge difference, but I would definitely go with uh, mashing the the Munich. And then, if you're doing that, you're partial mashing. You're like halfway to all grain at that point, and it's really pretty simple. Just uh, to hold it in some water for for a while. All right, uh, Charlie uh, wrote, "It must be so weird to get emails from listeners like me who are relatively new to the BN and are making their way back through the archives." And a question here, uh, on the, I'm on the Sinmar site looking for Nalgene bottles, but I don't see any names specifically that way. Uh, can you help me? And, uh, it's unfortunate that I've been calling them Nalgene bottles because I, I call them Nalgene bottles because when, uh, I did a lot of backpacking in my past, we always took Nalgene bottles with us and that's what they were called. Right. And, you know, now they're more generically, uh, they're, uh, uh, uh polypropylene uh, enclosure is what they call them, right? So it's a, a, a like a plastic bottle with a, a wide mouth opening made of polypropylene. And because they're made of polypropylene, you can autoclave them, and uh, they're good to 121C or 250-some-odd uh, Fahrenheit. 
So, uh, you know, they'll, or you can pour boiling water in them to sanitize them, whatever. They'll be just fine. And, uh, on the Sinmar site, and Sinmar is one of the easier ones to, to buy it from. You might be able to get it cheaper somewhere else, I'm not sure. But they're pretty cheap for a, for a one liter, uh, bottle. It's, uh, $2.70 currently. If you buy 10 or more, they're $2.55 a piece. So maybe you go in with a friend and buy a few. Me, I, I got like 20 of them already. Uh, they, on the Sinmar site, which is www.cynmar.com, uh, they have it as product number 150-23850. And uh, they call them rigid, translucent, autoclavable, uh, FDA-approved, leak-proof polypropylene enclosures. Wow. For storage of media and chemicals. And they have them in all different sizes. They got two liter, they got uh, one liter, uh, half liter, all the way up and down the, the size range, uh, with similar pricing. How did you stumble upon these? Um, I I don't know. Okay. I've so been one using of those them for years. Yeah, figured out. And and if you're an old fart like me, uh, you, you remember you'll call them like Nalgene bottles because <laughs> you remember Nalgene's. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, they're exactly like an Nalgene bottle if if you remember that. But, uh, that's uh, essentially it. Go so, ahead. they, they got them there, and I'll try and, uh, I'll probably end up putting this, uh, info on the, uh, dot com uh, site, because I get this question all the time. People are like, I can't find Nalgene bottles. What the heck is, you know, is this, is this what you were talking about? And I'm like, eh, yeah, that's it. Alright. So, American Brown Ales. It's an American beer. American beer and, and homebrewers, right? And well, it, it started with homebrewers in Texas. They they came up with this uh, American brown ale, apparently. Texans, huh? Texans. Wow. Believe it or not, some nice. good came out of Texas. Yeah. I'm going to get some hate mail on that, right? Yeah. Um, Where's our hat? <laughs> yeah. Yeehaw. Uh and it, w- the way it started out is kind of like uh kind of like an American pale ale with uh you know, the extra chocolate malts, extra crystal malts, things like that made it made it bigger and there's an interesting dichotomy between commercial uh versions of uh, american brown ale and homebrew versions of american brown ale hmm. i would say the vast majority of homebrew versions of american brown ale are closer to a chocolatey roasty uh like pale ale to ipa you know pretty darn hoppy and and fairly dry more IPA like, would you say? More, yeah, American Pale Ale IPA, yeah. you know, yeah. pretty, pretty darn hoppy. And one of the recipes we're going to give, uh, Mike McDowell's American Brown Ale, which has won, you know, uh, gold in the, in the nationals and, uh, you know, it does really well with it. It's a great beer. It is completely different than a, uh, commercial, most of the commercial American Brown Ales you get. Uh, I'm very fond of, uh, uh Downtown Brown or Moose Drool. I think Moose Drool is just a fantastic mm-hmm. beer. One of my I've favorites. Never had that one. I've had North Coast Acme Brown. Yeah. That's yeah. very good. And yeah, there's a bunch of great brown ales out there. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, is, uh, those commercial versions tend to be more malty mm-hmm. and, uh, less hoppy. And they'll have a firm bitterness to them and they'll have a touch of hot flavor. But they're more about kind of the chocolatey, rich aspects of them, especially like Moostrol. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those are considered, you know, BJCP standard examples of the style. And it's nothing like something Mike McDowell would brew. It's 180, huh? 
180, both brown, you know, they both got some chocolate. Okay. But, uh, you know, one's, you know, a lot hoppier and a bit drier. And then these others are more malty and, uh, sweet and, uh, and, uh, less, less hoppy. So they're more English-like, would you say, or? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, like Southern English brown, except, uh. A little bit more hops, maybe? More hops and a little bigger. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, John. Uh, you know, there, there is some similarities there. Except, uh. As long as it's brown. As long as it's brown. Well, and, you know, I may be a bit of a heretic and maybe yeah. they're going to, uh, uh, rescind my BJCP, uh, membership here. But, in a way, I think, you know, anything, any, any brown ale brewed in the U.S. by, uh, any craft brewer, amateur or professional, that uh, is not specifically intended to be a uh, English style, an English version of style, it should be considered an American brown ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's such a wide range, and I, I think there are some commercial examples that uh, go more the hoppy route. I uh, can't really think off the top of my head, you know, more like McDole's, but... Uh, I've never had one like McDoles. Right. You can't, you can't compare McDoles. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great beer. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the argument might be made that, uh, McDoles does, really doesn't fit the style. But then, you know, he, he wins with that bad boy, so, you know, there's something to it, and judges like it, and, uh. Well, it's so over the top. Just drinkers like it. That it just stands out, you know. Maybe they're having all these, like, light body brown ales, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, big body, big hop. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? Well, it could be. Yeah. It could be. Although I've had, you know, if you, I think if you have like a moose troll compared to McDole's, that the moose troll probably has more body. Hmm. Um, but McDole's is, is, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fairly uh, dexterous beer, that moose troll. And I, I guess and why you, you moose troll like is probably cl- pretty cloying. Mr. Multi. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's me. That's you. Don't, don't wear it out, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, that is uh, kind of the overview of American Brown Ale. And uh, when we come back from break, we'll uh, talk about the recipe and how that, that relates to the style. And, Curious about uh, your recipe. Yeah, there you go. If you're, if you're listening, uh, click the chat now button or call in 1-888-401-BEER. This is the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. We're talking about American brown ales. Mm-hmm. John has just poured uh, a sample of uh, his uh, American brown, which I've never even brewed before. American brown, which was uh, an Irish red that uh, got a third place in the in the nationals. And I was there judging it in the nationals, and uh, I did not care for this beer at all. <laughs> was talking to the other judges and saying, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't think. And uh, what don't you like about it? God, it's got that just huge, uh, dark crystal thing going on that's just overwhelming. And uh, 
you know, it's it's a clean beer, but it's got a bit of oxid- ox- oxidation going on. And, uh, and I thought that, you know, out of the 30 beers we had there, we could have found one that didn't have oxidation and, uh, you know, might be a better, better, more beer. worthy. Yeah, yeah, but you know, uh, who who am I? So I I said, well, okay. So those guys really liked it, and uh, I didn't care for it, but that that's okay. I'm surprised it's held up because it's it's about thirteen, fourteen months old, and it's well, your face right there, <laughs> you, you um, No, no, it's not, it, you know, it's it's just uh, there's a huge amount of crystal malt in there. There's a pound of crystal one twenty in five gallons. Mm. That is a lot of Crystal 120. If you're ever putting a pound of Crystal 120 mm-hmm. in a five-gallon batch of anything, take us to step back and think about think it about for a second. And, uh, you know, if you're doing maybe like a Russian Imperial Stout where you can mask it with a lot of roasty, but uh, in something where that's kind of your dominant flavor is Crystal 120, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would go quite that much. Well, it definitely finished high, relatively sweet, ten sixteen. Yeah, there's a lot of hops in that though too. Yeah. Uh and you know, for American brown ale, uh they should be they should be from a light brown to a dark brown. That is kinda on the low end of color. Uh they should be brown. You Would know? you say it's almost more amber? Yeah, it's it's kinda like a red. Like okay. an Irish red. Yeah, oh yeah, that's the recipe. Okay. Oh, that's what I brewed. And if it was an Irish red, brown. maybe maybe I'd, I'd I'd go more uh, favorably on it. But as a brown, I didn't think so. If you're making American brown ale, it should be brown. That looks just brown. Let, to let's me just kind of. let's just say that, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, crazy as that sounds, it should be brown, not pale or like pilsner color. Right. Shouldn't okay. Should be uh, clear. Medium, medium full body. Uh, they should. It should have some malty flavors to it. Even if you're going hoppy, you, you gotta have some malt, uh, malt character to it. It's, uh, I think it's important. And you should have some roasty, chocolatey, uh, characteristics. Again, you can go, um, more aggressive on the hops, like a homebrew version. You can go more aggressive on the malt and, and less on the hops, like a commercial version. Your, um, alcohol is gonna be about, uh, you know, 4.3, 6.2 is what the BJCP says, I think. It probably ranges a little higher than that on the homebrew scene, probably up into the seven eights. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that high. Um, and uh, IBUs are going to range anywhere from, you know, twenty to seventy or eighty. <laughs> what? That's a big range. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's it's uh, you know quite a range of style. Original gravity. You just added um, the McDole factor in, in the 40s to uh, in the 70s, I think. Uh, if you're if you're making a really big American brown ale, BJCP uh, guy suggests that you enter it in the specialty category. If you're making like an IPA that's brown, that's different than an American brown ale. What I guess I'm saying is there's style creep happening amongst home brewers, and they keep making a bigger and bigger American brown ale. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's not technically the style. But on the other hand, uh, what is style? Yeah, you know, it's it's helping redefine the style. Right. If you're if you're doing this, uh, when I do an American brown ale, I'm around you know 1050. Uh, last American brown ale I brewed was uh, 1049. In OG and, and and what was the one you did? It was uh, 1050. 1050. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mike's got uh, his at 1066, and he admits uh, he goes, "Hey, you know, uh, this is on the high end of the IBU and, and gravity range, and all the commercial examples I've tried are below, well below mine." He says, "Too bad, 
too bad for them. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's not, and he's not making any, you know, Mike would be cool with if people said, hey, this is out of style. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not brewing it to brew it to style. He, he brewed it because it's a, you know, a favorite beer of his and it was a favorite beer of his wife's and That's it's, a, it's a really excellent beer to drink and he shares it with his friends freely. So, I mean, that's why he brews it. And I, I'm only mentioning this recipe because it's a, you know, as a home brewer, this is a great recipe. Mm-hmm. And it really is, it really makes a fine beer. If you're, and, and it does well in competition. I would say, well, you know, if you wanted to win in competition, you want to brew truly to style, you'd brew it differently, but I, I don't know about that. So Mike goes, uh, uh, around, uh, 16 Plato and he, uh, has, uh, IBUs there, uh, 62 IBUs. And that is nearly a one-to-one, uh, IBU bittering ratio. Now, on the ones that I do, I'm more around three quarters, uh, you know, a little, a little less. Because uh, again, I wanted a little maltier, a little sweeter. Right. What was what was the one you did? You know, uh, I don't know my. We could calculate it. <laughs> it seems pretty bitter and, and pretty hoppy. I don't. I don't even have the alpha acids on that. Okay. And uh, uh, most of these are all boiled for ninety minutes. I boil ninety minutes. Mike's boiling his for ninety minutes. The. Um, SRM on most of these are around, uh, you know, 18, 19 in that range. Uh, again, it should be a, a fairly dark beer. As far as, uh, the formula goes, uh, I'm using Rager, Mike's using Rager, and, uh, you can get the, uh, exact hopping schedule off, uh, the recipes that'll be on, uh, the Bonjour, uh, website, uh, Fred Bonjour's website. And then we just uh, have supported that because he's trying to post a lot of award-winning recipes right. there. So we've uh, yeah, there's yours a link. are all over there, right? Yeah, there's a link from uh, uh, the uh, TBN Jamel page to that site where you can get all the recipes nice. that we mentioned on the show. So we try and put them when possible in different formats and uh, ProMash and uh, in text. And um, also, uh, you should have the ability to uh, sometimes uh, get an extract version if we can. Uh, sometimes we just don't have the time to get those set up, but we'll try. As far as the grain bill goes, uh, pretty much across the board, you're running around 75 to 80 percent. There's going to be a pale uh, malt, a two-row, and uh, I like to use an English version. Uh, I believe Mike uses uh, two, two just standard American two-row, uh-huh. and and I, and I would lean more towards doing it Mike's way. Because you might end up a little too malty sometimes. Um, I don't know. I, I I could see, especially for American Pale Ale mm-hmm. and for um, you know American Brown Ale, things like that, American IPA, uh, using American Two Row really gives you. Um, That's traditional, pretty much, isn't it? Well, yeah, and, and if you're trying to emulate a, a beer that you know, your local brew pub's doing, that's generally what kind of uh, base grain they're going to use, and you're going to get a, a more similar flavor to that. Uh, then the remaining 25%, you're going to have uh, uh, 3 to 4% uh, uh, chocolate malt. Sometimes I like to break that up, and I'll do like uh, 3% chocolate malt and 1% pale chocolate because I like the complexity that gives you. And you can actually tell in flavor? Oh, yeah. The, really? the pale chocolate's totally different. It's got okay. kind of a, a an interesting toasty uh, character to it, which okay. is nice. And uh, uh, sometimes I do that, sometimes I don't. Um, and then uh, Mike uses uh, about 6% uh, wheat malt 
in in his. I don't use the wheat malt, but I put in uh, about two and a half percent victory malt in mine. And again, I like kind of that character that victory gives. Uh, although you could leave that out, uh, I know victory's uh, not not that easy to get some places. What does the victory add to your beer? Uh, the the taste of. Uh, victory, victory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, winning, <laughs> winning. Uh, you know, I put victory in there because it helps me win. And then, uh, as far as the crystal malts, Mike's going with uh, about seven percent crystal forty. Uh, I go with uh, about six uh, percent crystal forty and two uh, percent or so uh, crystal sixty. So kind of breaking it up there and which is a a technique you can do on a lot of different beers you come across a beer and uh it's seeming a little uh one-dimensional sometimes um uh, if you're making like an amber or something i wouldn't go like all crystal 60 uh take maybe half of that and make it crystal 20 or crystal 40 or you know uh break it up and uh what that gives you is uh, kind of a range of of crystal flavors because they taste totally different. Like the d- taste difference between 120 and crystal 20 is huge. Right. I mean, they they don't even you, you wouldn't, wouldn't even imagine they're the same family. Right. But you, uh, you were you were talking to me about that once I brewed or like in this batch. I mean, I have two pounds of 120, and that just right. seems very That's wrong to you. <laughs> yeah, I would I would maybe you know do half 120 and half uh, you know 60 or something like that. So I remember once you you corrected me. Like, oh yeah, you can crystal 40 and crystal 60, you can just up the percentage or something, but you can't do yeah, that. You can't really, because they're different flavors. They're totally different flavors. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's like if you're, um, and, you know, if you're, if you're out of, uh, you know, crystal 80, mm. and, uh, you know, you've got lots of crystal 40, oh, I'll use twice as much crystal 40, doesn't work out the same. Or if, uh, or if you have, uh, you know, uh, lo- uh, no crystal 40, but you have crystal 80, you can't use half as much crystal 80 because the, the flavors are, di- are different. Okay. So you can kind of get away with that a little bit, but I, I you know, it's not a, a straight linear number thing. And then the beer will taste different than, than the recipe, original recipe if you do that. Okay. Now the difference between a 20 and a 120, what would you say? Is it sweetness or? Well, the the 120, like in this this beer, you can get kind of that roasted caramel. It's like like a burnt caramel uh, okay. versus um, when you get down to 20, it's kind of like a sweet caramel. Hmm. You get into 40, it's kind of like a a dark darker caramel, or 60s are kind of like a uh, a caramel that's been cooked a little bit longer, but not to the point where it's burning. The 120 is almost like it's burning a little bit. Okay. And it gets a, a kind of little darker roasty flavors. So you definitely have to adjust your percentages. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then again, it's different flavors right. completely. Okay. So you couldn't put six times as much t- crystal 20 in to make uh, uh, One, crystal 120. Okay. Right. You could take some crystal 20, wet it down, put it on a cookie sheet, bake it in your oven and get closer to 120, hmm. you know, if, if, if you needed to, to do that. And then, uh, that's pretty much it for the grain bill. As far as, uh, uh, mashing, uh, you're gonna be in that 152 to 154 range. Go a little higher if you're trying to make a, you know, more rich, dextrous, moostrule type of thing. Go lower if you're trying to make a drier, more, uh, crisp, uh, American pale ale type of thing. So Mike, uh, is around 153 and 152. Uh, what were you on yours, John? 152. 152. So that's about, uh, 67 degrees C. Um, 
and uh, you're, I think that's a good good range for most American style beers generally, unless you're trying to do something odd and out of out of the way. If you're trying to emulate most of your uh, brew pub type beers, your common ones, it's that's going to be about the temperature that that you're going to want to do uh, a balance between uh, a bone dry beer and uh, a, a rich, thick, uh, dexterous Maltons. beer. Mm. And uh, as far as uh, yeast goes. You're almost always going to go with the California ale yeast, the uh, WLP001 from White Labs, or the uh, Y yeast 1056, or uh, there's a good dry yeast option now. It's the Fermentus US 56. is actually quite good for for these types of beers, uh, inexpensive, and uh, you know it's very similar to the uh, liquid offerings. It's not the same as the liquid offerings, uh, but it's uh, quite acceptable to use that. Um, if you're starting out, uh, this, this is a, a great beer to brew. It's very forgiving and, uh, uh the yeast is forgiving and, uh, a good, a good chance to do that. If you're from, uh, when you're fermenting, you're going to hang out around, you know, 67, 68 degrees. I wouldn't let it get too warm. You get it, let it get up past 70. So 68, you're at 20 C, uh, 70, you're at around 21 C. Um, I wouldn't let it go past that because you're gonna too fruity. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of esters, and uh, and if you let it get uh, too hot and you and you're making a higher alcohol one, uh, what you're gonna end up with a lot of uh, fusel alcohols and headache producing uh, alcohols and and a harshness and a hotness to the beer. It's a little more forgiving when you're doing a lower gravity version. If you're doing around 1050 like uh, you and I did, mm-hmm. it's a little more forgiving. Uh, you know, you get you won't really get too much hotness there. If you're making a bigger version, uh, like Mike's, where you're, um, you know, 1066 uh, or so, um, you need to have a little more control over that fermentation and, uh, you know, watch those alcohols because you're building a lot of alcohol in that. And uh, if it's hot, you're going to get a lot of uh, fusels and, and all that stuff. Could you use an English yeast just for body to the beer, adding, you know, I mean, you, so it doesn't finish out so dry. Because you can, um, especially the balance out with the bitterness, since it is a hoppy brown ale. Yeah, you're gonna get, um, and and uh, you know, there's some commercial breweries that that go with the English ale yeast. Um, the the thing is, you're gonna get more esters, and in in American ales, the the overriding factor in most American ales is that they're clean. Right, they're extra clean. They have less esters, less of that fruitiness than uh, the English beers do, that the English uh, yeast provide. And the English yeast also provide, tend to provide some uh, diacetyl and things like that, some buttery characters that uh, are just not appropriate in American beers. So I would generally say you really want to stick to uh, a clean uh, American uh, strain of yeast as your ideal. You can go the English way. If you're worried about body or sweetness or something like that, uh, I would go uh, either increasing the amount of crystal malt, uh, increase your mash temperature, uh, lower your fermentation temperature. All those things will give you more sweetness and more uh, more malt and uh, or more um, sweetness and more body. Mm. And uh, if you uh, you can also uh, lower your IBUs as well and you'll you won't taste a lack of bitterness but you'll taste more sweetness and uh you know it starts to balance out 
So, uh, you know, you always can play around with your IBUs and go, you know, if, if this turns out to be too bitter and not sweet enough, you know, knock five IBUs off or ten IBUs off and try it again. And, uh, you'll get, uh, uh, you know, more, more opportunities that way. We should talk right. about hops. Yeah, we'll talk about hops when we get back and also we'll answer any questions in the chat room or call in live, uh, 1-888-401-BEER. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. You're listening to the Brewing Network, and we're talking about American Brown Ales. John's had his coffee again this morning, you can tell. He's having a good old time. Coffee and beer. That's 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 my breakfast so far, so... He's flying. <laughs> All right, so we'll get into the hopping here. Uh, as I said, Mike's is a big hoppy beer, and it's a delicious beer. Um, and what he is doing in the hopping is uh, he uses mainly Northern Brewer for the bittering. He's doing a mash hopping of uh, 15.3 uh, homebrew units. Which is, uh, three ounces at, uh, 5.1, uh, alpha acid of whole hops, uh, as mash hop. Then he's doing another 15.3 at 60 minutes, and he's doing, uh, 10.2, uh, homebrew units at 15 minutes of all Northern Brewer whole hops. Then he does, uh, Cascade, which is, uh, at around, uh, 5.6, uh, alpha acid whole hops. He's doing 16.8 homebrew units at 10 minutes and 17 and a quarter homebrew units at one minute. And uh, then he dry hops with four ounces of Centennial pellets. Uh, He's a ballsy guy. Which is like 45 HBUs. Oh, yeah. Mike's not a timid guy. Not at all. He's, 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 uh, Mike's a great guy. Um, and, uh, and it, it's a it's an intense beer, and uh, don't worry about uh, trying to jot these down. You can go to uh, the website thebrewingnetwork.com, the Jamil page, and then there's a link there to, to all the recipes. And uh, that that is a seriously hoppy beer. It's a, a very delicious beer, uh, but not like you know if you're trying to brew one of your standard pub uh, brown ales, it's going to be maltier and less hoppy, and uh, and probably lower alcohol as well. So uh, the way that uh, uh, I hop mine is uh, I use a clean bittering hop like Horizon or uh, Magnum or something like that. And I use about nine to nine and a half uh, homebrew bittering units. So that works out to be uh, 0.71 uh, at uh, 13.6 alpha. And uh, that's in ten and a half gallons. Mike's was for a twelve-gallon batch. And uh, so you, you're going to get uh, you know twenty-two IBUs according to Rager uh, with that kind of uh, hopping. And then 
uh, I do what we were, John and I were talking about, uh, what we like is, uh, that late hopping technique that, uh, we talked about also in the American Pale Ale show, where, uh, you move, uh, a, a substantial amount of your hopping to the last 15 to zero minutes. So, I've done this recipe, this 10, uh, gallon recipe with, uh, two ounces of Amarillo pellets at 15 minutes and three ounces of Amarillo pellets at zero minutes. And it is really nice and hoppy and the bitterness is very mellow. How's the aroma? Very, oh, it's incredible. Really? It's a, a real smooth drinking, easy drinking beer because you, you're not uh, intensely bitter, but there's enough bitterness to uh, cut the, the malt sweetness. Mm-hmm. And just a huge amount of flavor and aroma. If I was, I wouldn't necessarily enter that in a competition, but I like drinking it that way. Sure, personal home yeah, beer. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, what you might do is cut that, uh, in 10 gallons, maybe an ounce at 15 minutes and maybe an ounce at zero minutes. And that's still pretty, pretty hoppy. What do you think of Amarillo hops? I like them. I think it's, uh, one of the nicest, them? uh, a couple of years now. Yeah. And, uh, I like them. It, it's, it changes over time, uh, as the, as the crop matures and all that and the rhizomes matures. I, my understanding is the, the character does t- tend to change a little bit. Hmm. And some people don't like them. I, I think they're great. I think, uh, I like it much better than Cascade. I don't care for Cascade anymore. I, I haven't for a long time, but Amarillo I do like. What don't you like about Cascade? Um, you know, people say it's real catty and all that. I, and I'd say, um, Maybe part of it is I just got tired of it, you know. <laughs> everything had cascade, use, right? Yeah. So uh, Amarillo is a, a, a bit different. So maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe maybe I'm just uh, getting old. I'm getting old. I'm getting fickle and uh, jaded, and having something new and uh, Amarillo-y. Uh, <laughs> You're judging too much. That's what yeah. Uh, that that could be it. And I, I have friends who live in Amarillo, so uh, Texas. Support your friends. So uh, and I've been to Amarillo. <laughs> It's a fine town, fine town. I know that. That's why you wear blue jeans all the time. Yeah, no, uh, Amarillo is a great place. And it's a great hop. I, I, I love it, uh, dearly. So, you'll, you're, again, you got that, uh, that range. And if you're trying to do a moose drool or something like that, you're gonna back off on those aroma and flavor hops. I would use, uh, restrained bittering anywhere from, you know, like, uh, 0.6, uh, bittering to gravity ratio, uh, to point, uh, maybe three quarters, you know, 0.75. And I would, uh, use, uh, you know, a lot more of the, uh, the crystal and, uh, uh, malts to kind of bring up the sweetness as well. To balance the bitterness too? Yeah. Okay. Cause it's a little more balanced beer. There's some bittering to it, but, uh, and, you know, believe me at, uh, 35, you know, the 40 IBUs, you'll, you'll taste the bittering, mm. but it won't be, um, as, as dry and bitter as an American Pale Ale at 35 to 40 IBUs, cause you're gonna put in some crystal malt, you're gonna put in some, uh, uh, a little higher alcohol and, and sweetness and residual dextrins. You gave a formula earlier, HPUs versus IBUs. Right. How close are they? Well, the HPU really doesn't tell you much about IBUs, um, you know, HBU is essentially just, you know, your, your weight of hops times whatever the alpha acid reported on the packages. Right. So if I say you need, um, you know, 10, uh, HBUs of Kent Goldings, 
you don't need to know that when I did it, I I was using uh, Kent Golding's at uh, 6% alpha acid. All you need to know is when you go to the store and you go buy Kent Golding's and you look at the package and it says it's 5 alpha, 5% alpha acid, you go, oh, okay, I'm going to need two ounces. Right. And that, that'll do it. You don't really care what mine was. It works okay, except uh, when you start getting into... Um, uh, you need to know whether it's whole or pellet, and you need to know kind of the time that it was used at, hmm. and those those are other factors. And then, um, you know, it works it works fairly well. And it, I like to um, when I when I look at uh, a recipe, one of the reasons that I'm not too fond of this is. Uh, the recipe gives you some additional information. Uh, if, if you look at my recipe and I'm using a, uh, very low alpha hop at the end of the boil, let's say I'm using saws in a, uh, in a Bohemian Pilsner and I want to use three or four ounces and I told you, okay, I'm using 10 HBUs of saws in, you know, in the last minute or mm-hmm. whatever. You might say, oh, well, you know, I got this, uh, you know, equivalent type of hop and it's five uh, percent alpha acid and you're going to end up using a far smaller amount at that same time and you're not going to get the same aroma and flavor so uh, sometimes you need to throw out the bittering portion of your calculation right. and say well what was the intent of this hop addition was it really more for flavor and aroma or was it for um, bittering and if it was you know or how much bittering were they counting on from this you know, is it possible for me to use a lower bittering hop and still, you know, instead of uh, overwhelming it with too much flavor and aroma, oh, okay, I'm going to scale back and use the same volume by weight, mm-hmm. um, but the bittering is going to be a little too low. All right, I'll add a couple more IBUs to my early bittering. You know, I'll add a tiny bit of... Uh, of uh, uh, weight to the uh, 60 minute edition and then I've balanced out my bittering and it'll be okay that way. Okay. So there's a lot of information in the recipe um, that you get and why it's important to, to go to the website and, and get the recipes and look at them and say, okay, well, I understand, you know, and, and you modify them to your heart's desire. Right. Well, there's a lot of room for interpretation. So Exactly. But go try ahead. and understand the spirit of what was trying to be done in the recipe, right. I think, is important. Hmm important aspect but uh i think the more numbers and information we can give the better for sure uh make up your own mind right and probably the the best thing is to describe what kind of flavor we're trying to achieve and what what uh what kind of mouthfeel and aroma and all that and based on that uh people can uh you know tweak the recipe to make it make it fit what we're describing all right so a question from the chat room wants to know if uh does are you saying that hbu formula uh, means that HBUs can't calculate bittering based on boil time. Well, you um, you you you'd have to run it essentially through another formula, uh, Rager or Garrett's or one of those formulas that calculates the actual bittering potential of the hops. So all HBUs will tell you is how much hop uh, alpha acids were put in. So, um, but you know, not actually how much is in solution that actually goes into right okay. exactly how how much was uh, utilized, how many IBUs right. you ended up with. So I could say, oh yeah, um, use ten HBUs of 
a hop and you could use five ounces of two percent alpha acid hop or you could use you know one ounce of um uh a ten percent alpha acid hop and both end up as um you know ten hbus hmm. and so there's the and like you might think there's a huge difference there between you know the character you're going to get of those two for sure even as a bittering addition because right Bittering additions do contribute to the flavor and aroma. There's a there's a you know a slight, but uh, you you will pick some up and and also that's one thing. Uh, somebody I was talking to somebody about. Uh, uh, do not believe that that hooey that you're taught long ago about. Uh, oh, okay, your early additions just give you bittering. Your middle additions only give you flavor, and your late additions only give you aroma. That's nonsense. Okay, if you put in hops at zero minutes, you know, just before you're whirlpooling and all that, you're going to end up with quite a bit of hop flavor from that. You won't end up with a lot of bittering, but you're going to end up with quite a bit of hop flavor, and you'll end up with hop aroma. If you make an addition at 15 minutes, you're going to end up with some bittering, you're going to end up with some flavor, and you're going to end up with some aroma. If you put in a, an addition at 60 minutes, and this is why it's important what kind of hop you choose for your your uh, your bittering addition um, is that if you just do a 60-minute addition, and it depends on the rest of the beer. If it's a really complex lot of roast and all that, it kind of masks some of it. But if it's like a Pilsner and you just do a 60-minute addition, you will get hop flavor and aroma from just those 60-minute hops. Really? So that does carry through. So you need to be careful what kind of hop you're choosing. That's why you want to choose a, a you know, a clean uh, hop that matches the profile of what you're trying to achieve. Hmm. So, uh, you know, don't, don't fall into the trap of thinking, oh, yeah, I, this is a Roma edition. It doesn't do anything for flavor. It's like, well, do just a zero minute edition. Believe me, there's tons of hop flavor. Hmm. And that's part of where the aroma is coming from is, is also in that solution. Hmm. So, uh, it's interesting how that balances out. And, the other thing about uh, hopping is uh, most of your bittering, most of the utilization comes in the first, you know, 20 minutes of of, of boil time. That's why the l- massive late hopping still works. It's not like a, a linear progression from zero to 60. At uh, uh, a 10 minute addition, I think you only need to. Uh, it's it's only uh, one third the 60 minute addition as far as bittering goes. So if I wanted to, uh, if I had uh, a uh, certain bittering at 60 minutes. If I wanted to move it to 10, I would only need to multiply by three times, not six times. Oh, right. At 20 minutes, you pretty much got most of your bittering done. You're, you're, uh, pretty close. It's maybe like half of what, uh, you know, the 60 minute edition is. Hmm. And at 30 minutes, you're pretty much there. Right. You know, you're only gaining a few more points of utilization between 30 minutes and 60 minutes. Hmm. So a lot of bittering comes from a a 15-minute addition, which people call, oh, that's the flavor addition. There's a a, a substantial amount of bitterness that comes from that. So could I add like 10 ounces at flame out and get enough bitterness? Enough bitterness? Uh, You might. It depends on on your whirlpool technique and how long the hops are going to sit warm. Interesting. Now, you need to – there is some need for boiling. Right. And, uh, you know, it depends how hot and eh, it would be iffy, but you could, you could become pretty close. Right. And, uh, people have done that. And mm-hmm. especially when we're experimenting with that late hop thing. Uh, but, you know, a 10 minute addition can get you plenty of bitterness. So, uh, try that. That'd be a good experiment for someone to try. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it works out well. And it, well, when I was preparing that article on late hopping for Zymergy, uh, uh, several homebrewers went ahead and tried. Uh, I think, you know, some went like 10 minutes and I think uh, some went 20 minutes. Huh. And there was no bittering. There was no 60 minute edition. It was just 20 minutes and 15 minutes, 10 minutes, stuff like that. Hmm. And it works out well. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice bittering. Uh, it doesn't get quite as harsh. One thing, uh, with the alpha acids and, uh, a, a lot of people have read, um, you know, if you boil hops more than a certain amount of time, more like more than two hours or whatever, three hours, they become very harsh. The 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 bittering becomes harsh and and more acidic, and uh, it's not that it's becoming more bitter. It's just that the bittering character changes, hmm. and that's kind of one of the thoughts between behind uh, doing more, moving more of your bittering towards the late. You get more aroma and flavor, and then the bittering kind of changes. It's a softer, more uh, resiny bittering than it is. Um, it doesn't. It, it's not as biting a bitterness. So that's, a, that's one of the thoughts behind why that works. Interesting. I, I don't know that that's a fact, but uh, it seems to be a perception of. I got tannin flavor. Well, and yeah, you get you're extracting less of the uh, the vegetable matter and things right. like that. So, huh. um, and the the bittering just changes in character. There's okay. things you know. That's like a. Uh, a more biting bitterness, I guess, is, is how you describe it. Hmm. So that's a, an interesting technique and, and way to way to go about it. Our last things from the chat room. Uh, they want you to uh, obviously go over the recipe again. A lot of people miss the grain bill, uh, but there was a question real quick about uh, how uh, accurate ProMash is at calculating IBUs. Wow, um, that's a whole show in itself, and you can go. Um, uh, if, if you take a look at take a look at your different recipes, take a look at the different calculations, and you'll see that in some of them they believe there's no bitterness in later hops, and some they believe. And I've matched it up to um, uh, batches that uh, I've had analyzed, and they're all right in some aspects, and they're all wrong in some aspects. And none of those formulas is 100% right. And so what you need to do is pick one, stick with it, and learn as you brew your batches and you taste them and you take tasting notes, say, oh, that seems a lot more bitter than I anticipated from the number. I need to remember that. Oh, that's less bitter uh, than I wanted. I need to remember that and make your adjustments. And you learn how to work with one of the formulas. I use Rager. A lot of people do. And it, just, it, it works fine. Um, but uh, you know, just pick one and stick with it and, and adjust uh, based on that. As far as the recipe goes, again, download from the website, but uh, you're shooting for around 1050 to 1065 uh, in, in gravity, uh, 75 to 80% pale malt, use uh, uh, 6 to 8% uh, crystal 40, crystal 60, and uh, you can put some wheat malt in there like uh, Mike does, and uh, about uh, you know 3 to 4% chocolate malt, uh, hop it. To about a half to, uh, uh, or anywhere from, you know, 0.6 to, uh, a one, uh, bittering to gravity ratio. And, uh, for Mike's beer, ton of flavoring hops, ton of, ton of aroma hops, dry hop the daylights out of it. Whole hop and, garden. Uh, yeah, but to just <laughs> yeah. empty the hop fridge right into that bad boy. And, uh, turns out great. Uh, or if you're shooting more commercial example, back off, uh, give it a, a nice, uh, bittering that's balanced and uh, a touch of maybe flavor hops and, uh, that's the way you go. Use a clean, uh, ale yeast, uh, US 56, 
uh, YE's 1056 or my favorite White Labs uh, 001. And uh, ferment at uh, around 68 degrees, uh, 20 degrees C, and you're all set. Drink beer. All right. Good show, John. You too, bud. Thanks. Cheers. Next to Meal Show is California Common, two weeks from today. And coming up next is last night's uh, Brewcast right here on the Brewing Network. Jamil Show has been a production of the Brewing Network. Please send questions for Jamil to Jamil at thebrewingnetwork.com. The Jamil Show airs live every other Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Brewing Network.